Today on the bottom shelf, we are talking about the 1988 film. Will you stop that hammering? What is that noise coming from? That's a repair crew uh, for the pod doors. Since John mentioned something about escaping or something, well, we decided to fix that issue so it wouldn't ever happen. Um. Okay. Well, as I was saying, Scrooge, a holiday film directed by Richard. Will you please stop that racket? We need a movie to discuss. Oh, okay, buddy. It won't happen again. Promise. Good. Thank you. Now, as I was saying today, we are looking at the 1980. You know what? Forget this. Forget it. Glicks. Please take care of the love for everything. Stop that racket and fix the pod bay door. Hey, Kevin, you want some eggnog? No, I don't want an eggnog. I don't like eggnog. It's got all that yolk and it's got all that cream. I just don't like the mixture of sugar. I don't care about anything. I just want to do the podcast. That's it, okay? Let's, let's talk about the movie, okay? Yeah? Good? Are you ready to discover a world of terrible movies? High above the planet Geekery, three brave individuals with the help of other friends, work through a list of terrible movies to discover one simple truth. Are they better than people think? Or do they really belong on the bottom shelf? Grab your popcorn. Grab your favorite snack. And get ready to find out. Welcome to The Bottom Shelf, the show where we watch critically terribly, terrible films so that you don't have to. The Bottom Shelf, an extension of Geek Devotion, is a show from devoted geeks who are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. So if you don't watch past this moment, uh, know this. You're loved. You're cared for. There is a plan and purpose for your life. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dallas. And with me is a fine and merry cast and crew of The Bottom Shelf. Uh, let's start with uh, this gentleman right here. I think your name is John. Oh, that's me. Hi. Who who screwed up the doors? Um, no yeah, one. We'll, we'll get into that another day. Um, hey, do you got the taco machine back? Uh, yeah, it has guac now. Oh, good. Death fruit. That's fun. I like guacamole. I like death fruit. <laughs> I like to put it on my toast. Death? Death? You, you don't like avocados? I'm allergic. <sighs> <laughs> well, fine. Fine, dude. Fine. It also It also makes banana splits. Oh, good. Double trouble for me. It's going to be a great <laughs> podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Help me. <laughs> All right. So, and then we have with us also the Dapper Man himself, Kevin. How are you doing, buddy? At least there's no more hammering noises. At least. At least. Like, I think the crew's almost done fixing all that up. Brilliant. <laughs> you keep saying crew, but I only see you, you, the three of you guys on the ship. Maybe you're not searching the right places. Dun, dun, dun. This is like this is like rose red. It's just there's there's things that get built and then there's nobody who actually is there to build them. Podcast magic, bro. Just go with it. Red rum, red rum. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Celeste. Hello. How are you doing, babe? I'm good. It's nanotech. That's how it's happening. <laughs> it's nanotech. nanotech. All right. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, today we are reviewing a particular film, I believe. Kevin, what has been pulled out of the galactic trash can that we found on the Planet Geekery? Okay, today we have a 1988 film called Scrooge, directed by Richard Donner. Wait, okay, I'm just waiting for that hammer noise to start. It's not happening. Okay. Um, if you may know Richard Donner for the director of such classics as The Omen, The Toy, with Richard Pryor, and Timeline. It comes with this 1988 holiday film that would um, sup- upset many film critics at the time. But we would have to wait probably like 30 years for those critics to die off so that way people could enjoy this film. For people to find <laughs> that this movie is actually sweet, kind, loving, non-manipulative, and you know, Bill Murray actually calms down for a moment. <laughs> just for a moment? Yeah, just for a moment. Music is done by Tim Burton, secret um, lover Danny Elfman. 40% of the music, um, 40% of this is written by... Uh, Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donohue. 40% is written, not, not the rest. Everything was all ad-libbed, apparently. Cinematography is also done by Ghostbusters 2, Michael Chapman. Um, this is also starring the first-time lead for Bill Murray, because Bill Murray has never actually truly lead. He was always a co-star. So this is his first time actually leading a film. Um, Wait, for real? Yeah. He was always considered like a co He never led a film. This is his first time actually being completely as a solo lead actor. I had no... That's interesting. Um, it also stars Indiana Jones first girlfriend Carrie Allen. Karen Allen, sorry, sorry, Karen. Has the trim <laughs> has the trembling, incoherent Bob Goldfinger. Um, or oh, Gothwaite. Yeah, Gothwaite. Bobcat Goldthwait. He's awesome. I he's like one of my favorite comedians from the eighties, man. For real. Doesn't he sound a lot like Tom Waite? Kind of. No, 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 no. I, don't no. Know. I just no. That that's that's David Johnson. That's right. <laughs> Um, also has Car- Carol Candy Kane and John Glover. And yeah, including- I'm your wife. <laughs> <laughs> it also includes a veteran actor, um, Robert Mitchum, who is only in this for the money and nothing else. <laughs> um, if you, what about if you the, notice what about the on, cat? on the posters, what about Lee? What's his face from the six million dollar man? You gotta let me finish though. <laughs> Lee Majors is in this for like 13 seconds. Who's also That's in it for the money. Saying, dude. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'll... Okay, we'll get into it later. There was a tagline every poster, and it's like it's quite apparent who Bill Murray is because Bill, it says Bill Murray is back among the ghosts. Only this time it's three against one. <laughs> he just can't get away from ghost movies. Especially that movie where Patrick Swayze is behind him when they're uh, yes. sculpting pot a pot. Yes. You know, that was an intimate moment. It was beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I have for Scrooge. All right. I think we have some warning labels attached to this thing here. So oh, many warning labels. Really? Oh, yeah, uh, there yeah, is. We, hmm. Okay. John, what you got over there? What you looking at? Uh, warning. Uh, children should not watch this. It will mess them up for years. <laughs> uh, Celeste, you got one? I do. It says, watch out for the toaster. <laughs> I got one here. It says, don't watch. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Her, ladies and gentlemen. John, what do you got, man? Uh, warning, Zed from Police Academy goes berserk, holds people hostage with a shotgun while thinking he's Bugs Bunny. <laughs> uh, here's a good one. This might scrooge up your entire Christmas season. <laughs> I like how merry this makes uh, um, Kevin. <laughs> Belly wiggle like a bowl full of jelly. John, you got another one, bud? 
Yeah, uh, warning, the song at the end of this movie will be stuck in your head post-mortem. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Alright, so what do you guys think? What, what, what are our expectations going into the film today? I feel like we've all seen this, right? Have we all yeah. seen this before today? Celeste, you never saw this before? No. Holy crap. My dad was the one who said, don't watch. That's right. <laughs> Um, this would be my third time watching it. I remember watching it only twice before. And the two times I've watched it before, I just thought it was okay. That's fair. This this movie, for real, I, I've I've seen I I saw it when it was first out on VHS when I was six years old. And you know, it it's been a standard for me. I've seen it very many times. And quite frankly, there's something charming about Bill Murray. Like even when he's playing a sleaze, he's still incredibly likable to watch on screen. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, I don't know. Is I have a hard, I have Bill Murray is the bacon of cinema. Even if he, (laughs) even if he's in something bad, he still makes it a little bit better than if he wasn't in it. Ladies and gentlemen, but actual bacon. So they're both greasy. Oh. Greasy people. <laughs> he kind of is. Are are you say are you suggesting Life Aquatic was better because of him? I'm I yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm saying it could have been significantly worse if he wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, here in Jacksonville, you... we have a thing. Uh I live in a town that's small in corporate towns called Murray Hill. And so on the big side of the wall, they have a picture of Bill and Murray Hill. So like Bill Murray because he's very big here in Jacksonville. Due to the Caddyshack he owns out here at St. Augustine. No kidding. Yeah. And, and I will just say, can you imagine Zombieland without Bill Murray in it? I can't. I've not seen it, so I can't imagine it at all. Yeah, you're right. It couldn't do any better without him in it. <laughs> My expectations is I'm going to enjoy this. Um, I've watched it many times as a child. Um, probably shouldn't have had. And uh Yeah. I think I'll I'll probably laugh quite a bit during this viewing because Bill Murray does make things better for some reason. All right, Celeste, what are what are your expectations? Going? I know you haven't seen it, but what are your expectations going in? Well, I'm, I'm oh, hold on. Uh, you're muted is what you are. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually kind of conflicted because my dad legitimately really, really hates this movie, but a lot of people really like it. So I, I don't I don't know what to expect. <laughs> well, all right then. Well, guys, let's go into the movie theater. Who brought the popcorn? I made some this morning. Dallas did. Dear listeners, this is your opportunity to escape. Our crew has just entered into the media projection chamber. What horrors and madness that they consume are unknown. Their mental state upon their return is unknown. You have been warned. Well, well uh, apparently Celeste decided to stay in the theater for a little bit to see if there's a post credit scene. <laughs> I, I kept telling so, her this is not a Marvel film. Yeah, you know, sometimes you don't know anymore. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, we just got out of the movie. Let me let me read the, the description of the movie for people so they know what we just watched. kind of what we're getting into all right francis xavier cross that's a name is a cynical mean-spirited television executive he treats his loyal assistant with contempt 
Uh, he is he just sacked a member of a staff on Christmas Eve for simple uh, for simply disagreeing with him, and he alienated himself from his brother, who still insists on inviting Frank to Christmas dinner despite him refusing to go every year. However, Frank is forced to learn the true meaning of Christmas when he's visited by three ghosts. So that's the movie we just watched. Um, but I think. Kevin, what what did you notice about the film? Like, what 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 do, if people are like, hey, I don't want to listen, but let me let know what's going to happen in the film. Like, what do you want to warn them about? Oh, um, yeah. Um, in the film, it is rated PG thirteen. So for those who are curious, for your own personal reasons or family or enemies, you may want to watch this movie with. It's PG thirteen because it has some mild language. It has about like six scatological terms. It uses the Lord's name um, four times, and it uses a derogatory word towards a woman twice. For um, violence, it's just like basically slapstick comedy. So there's gunshots and there's shootouts, but there's no blood or gore. And there's some sexual humor that could be a bit suggestive, along with them scantily clad women that you could barely see their nipples. And There was no suggestive there. It was just, it was very suggestive. Yeah, you had to be really staring. And there's also the humor. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. It also suggests a book given as as a gift, along with Bill Murray yelling and screaming. That's why it's rated PG thirteen. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So let's get into the uh, the spoiler free discussion. So um, okay, for my part of the spoiler free discussion, I'm just gonna say, bait. You know. Read that last sentence of the description that you just gave us, Dallas. Read it. Uh, however, Frank is forced to learn the true meaning of Christmas when he visited when he's visited by three ghosts. I hate that sentence because it the true meaning of Christmas is never brought up in this movie. This is true. This is true. You want to elaborate on that conversation? Uh, I, or I, I that get into spoilers. We'll get into spoilers with that one. I was just I needed to say that because it's a thing. I mean. The true meaning of Christmas? No. The true spirit of Christmas? Maybe. Maybe. You know, getting the Christmas spirit is more what the message is of this movie, but there's no true meaning in it. Yeah, and I, I'll give you that. And I, and when you when you gave the description, I uh, and I heard you say that line. I it was just like, I need to say this before I forget about this because. <laughs> You know, when you're when you're podcasting, you come up with these ideas of things you want to say. But as the conversation goes, you you know, some of the, some stuff goes by the wayside and you just forget about it when it would be appropriate to say it. So <laughs> wanted to throw that out there. True right. meaning. No. The spirit of. Yes. Right. I give you that. I totally give you that. So I will say I enjoyed the fact that the, the graphics of the film, like throughout the film, graphically, it was really well done. Like the nice. things that that were creepy they they were creepy without being like cheesy looking i think there was mm-hmm. a good bit of practical effects to it yes <laughs> i would say so. it, it well at this time cgi was still in its infancy it wasn't it wasn't common for it to be used in Mm-mm. in this sort of i mean to, to give you a point of reference of where cgi was at at the very end of batman 89 uh when batman's dangling the joker off the edge of that building Right, that they're they've got the the green screen effect in the background where he's dangling to make it look like it's a billion yards down. That's that's where CGI was in in that time period. If you watch it, you can see the frame rate latency and stuff like that. Oh yeah. So 
ever, pretty much everything that was in movies during this time period was practical effects. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. So, but I enjoyed it. I thought that it was well, I mean, it was practical, but it was really well done. It didn't feel like, okay, this is kind of hokey. Like the parts that were like in, meant to be intense, they felt intense. I thought they did a great job of, of, mm-hmm. of making that uh, a thing for you. And also the visuals, like there were a couple of scenes that were like just visually very well striking and, and laid out for me. So, well, with that, um, I have a question. There was two films that was actually nominated for Academy Award for makeup and design. Um, it was Beetlejuice and Scrooge. Guess which one? Uh, Beetlejuice. Scrooged. Oh, for real? Yep. So this was an Academy Award winning movie. I think that's a first for our uh, little podcast here. I think it is. Uh, and oh, for actually, Academy Awards, yeah. As, hmm. Just realize that. As long as we are on the topic of why it's on this podcast because it doesn't it wouldn't make sense to have an academy award-winning movie i didn't know it was one that's interesting that is interesting uh the reason why this actually other than the fact that it was in the dumpster outside on the planet planet geekery the reason why it is here is because on metacritic it was rated as a 38 and that's not wow. 38 out of 40. That's 38 out of 100. So now for the listening audience, what is Metacritic? Uh, it is an aggregate site, much s- similar to like Rotten Tomatoes, where they aggregate scores from movie critics on a movie to kind of give you a general synopsis as far as what the majority of people feel about it. But far right. better than Rotten Tomatoes. Interesting. Interesting. It tends, so, to, it's, it tends to skew a little bit more accu- accurately because it's not swayed by advertising. <laughs> <laughs> so ironically with this film. Um, so so clearly this was graphically a great film. Like if it's, it's, it won that award. I appreciate it. Like it didn't feel like, like Ghostbusters part three. True. Ghostbusters like, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters Christmas special. <laughs> I don't know. It came pretty close. <laughs> um, I have something and wait, I, I wrote down some notes when I was inside there. I just, sorry, I forgot to use staples. Um, Do you carry a stapler with you normally? Sometimes. You never know. Okay. You, you never it know. must be an Irish thing. Well, you never know if you have to staple, you know, some ears or something together. Um, Do you keep that with your bag of potatoes and possibly uh, a shovel and a yeah, how do you think I keep my beard intact, okay? Um, <laughs> I actually didn't mind the music. I actually thought it was actually kind of nice. Um, yeah. Danny Elfman was actually disappointed in scoring the film because he was told this was supposed to be a horror holiday film, not a comedy. So there was always like that big, um, apparently, argument behind with Richard Donner and Danny Elfman. He was like, um, you told me it was a horror holiday film, horror Christmas film, not a comedy dark comedy so there is an album that actually was released in 2011 and that was the first time it was actually released on any type of physical media and they only made 3,000 cds so if you have a chance to get that cd if possible you're on a gold mine wow that's interesting have you heard anything from it kevin i listened through through youtube was it any good (laughs) yeah i liked it it just uh, i'm just gonna say i didn't think the music actually matched the movie and after I looked into it, I was like, oh, okay, this actually makes sense. Why? Right. It just didn't feel in sync with the movie in, from that part. So watching this movie for probably the first time since I've become a bit of a movie snob myself. Uh, you know. Does it, oh, shut up. Uh, 
Does any did anybody else catch some serious Tim Burton vibes from this movie outside of the music? Because obviously Danny Elfman, but I mean for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yes. definitely. Especially with the, the the creepier portions of it. Yeah, with the ghost of um was it the Christmas, Christmas future. future? I was oh, like, yeah. is this a Jim Henson design? Because I kept thinking <laughs> it was Jim Henson with Tim Burton clashing together. I was like, I like this. That's right. dark crystal. That 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 scene. I feel like we're getting we're about to get in spoilers with that. That always reminded me of of Labyrinth for some reason. Yes, Labyrinth see for thing. me, for me it always reminded me of Nightmare on Elm Street three when Freddy cuts open his shirt and he has all those captured souls on his chest. Wow! Or Return to uh, Oz, a Walt Disney classic. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I've I've been told that movie's a horror film in and of itself. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick. Uh, before I forget, and we completely skipped over my section of the intro, which is John's weird facts <laughs> that he comes up with because I'm not important. Nah, uh, more to the, the guy who pl- the guy who plays the ghost of Christmas past. I don't remember his real name, but uh, in the 80s, he made music under the name Buster Poindexter. Really? Yes. Uh, no, not Buster Poindexter. Buster Keaton. Yeah. Interesting. Was it good? Uh, well, he had that song, Hot, Hot, Hot. However, uh, what people don't realize is he was also the lead singer of proto-punk, a uh, proto-punk band that is, was famous in New York City. Uh, the one, the only, the cross-dressing New York Dolls. Really? Yep. He was the singer for the New York Dolls. Never heard Interesting. of them. You've never heard of the New York Dolls? Oh, Kevin. I've never been to New York, so I don't see what their dolls look like. Kevin, sir, I need to educate you on American music someday. Yeah, that's why I listen to blues and country. To be fair, Kevin, John here runs a segment for our other podcast, Calm Talk, a segment called Pr- Pr- Primitive Rhythm Machine. So music is his life. Yeah. He's also like plays in a band and does all kinds of stuff. And does worship lead or plays with worship. Yeah. Mm. So he's a music nut. So he's a music nut. You're the movie nut. I I just like pecans. So I thought so it was more of a coconut. Like about the film? Coconuts. Sorry. Um, distraction. <laughs> so I thoroughly enjoyed the humor. Like there were parts of the humor that I could have done without, and we'll talk about that later. But just the the very sarcastic, the very blunt humor of it. Mm-hmm was was in like i appreciated that but i like 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 john said it felt like a tim burton movie mm-hmm. i like dark humor yeah i like it feels like dark. this was a the type of humor that was prevalent prevalent in the 80s maybe like, i can see that that very frank very blunt it was <clears throat> sometimes crude humor the direct opposite of all the bright uh, gum colors i would say kind mm-hmm. of because there's a lot of comedies i could see in the 80s that wasn't really dry or sarcastic at least, especially here in the states, but it's, this is the it was the ones I watched. Yeah, <laughs> it it well back in the eighties, humor was allowed to you know it was very much about you know take this as the joke it's intended, mm-hmm. right? Didn't they didn't have to worry about people getting their feelings hurt all the time? So. That's true. I guess people in the eighties didn't have feelings. Hmm. They did. They just covered them up with cocaine <laughs> <Yeah>. and meth <laughs> or tab. <laughs> No, no, they mixed the tab with the cocaine. Yeah, there was a lot of tab in this movie. 
How many times? It was like they were saying Tab was sponsoring this. I I bet you that was a product placement deal for real. (laughs) So has anyone drank Tab? Am I the only one? It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, you can go. Oh well, we have it in Publix. We have a store down here called Publix, a southern store, and they have Tab, and they sell them in six packs now. They used to have twelve packs, but now they reduce down to six pack cans, and it's still awful tasting. I've not seen it. I take that back. I've seen Tab once when I was a child in Walmart. <laughs> right after I watched a movie and I asked, what's Tab? <laughs> Terrible. <awesome>. Yes. Terrible. <laughs> uh, it, right. it, it, it stands for a terrible A beverage. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did enjoy the humor um, for certain parts. Certain parts. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, I think I might agree with Celeste on this parts of the humor like there were certain parts it worked very well and certain parts are like yeah okay sure right right i get that totally get that i think the best part for me is the middle of the film almost when almost when it gets to the middle of the film it's like Mm -hmm. it almost almost becomes a different type of film and then it goes right back to being like it doesn't know what it wants to be that's what it felt like to me it felt like it wasn't sure 100 percent did it want to be a horror did it want to be a dark comedy? Did it want to be a family film? Because this film was advertised to death as a family film. Almost which, like the <laughs> what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, which I could I could get that because a lot of <laughs> clashing happened apparently behind stage and so forth. And really? yeah, loads of clashing, lots of fighting. And it even had like they said there was a part where Carol Kane would just um break down crying because the um director was not liking what she was doing. And didn't like Bill Murray almost every day. They just try to avoid each other. I've heard that Bill Murray can be very hard to work with. I've heard that too. I've heard that as well. And I have to say, give it credit. This is Bill Murray's first time as a lead. And he was so used to being as supporting somebody or supporting a cast. So he was very much a person that never went on script. He always improved because there's other actors who do that. Like uh, Rick Moranis. He always Mm -hmm. improvs. He never went on script. And there's certain actors who are like that. So, um, there was so much brothers were like that. Yes. Yes. Um, there was just so much tension and hatred that broke out in fights that even to this day, no one wants to do any type of special commentary or any features to the physical copies. Like if you try to find a physical copy, which I like have with me, the Blu-ray, there was no special features Mm -hmm. except for a theatrical trailer. No one is interested in talking about the film at all. (laughs) Wow. That's terrible. But if well, we didn't since, have this film, we wouldn't have Bill Murray today. Right. Well, since nobody wants to talk about the movie because they had some bad experiences, is there anything spoiler free that we didn't like about the film? Well, I think I I just, Kevin just kind of went into a little bit. Yeah, it's a mixture like, kind of, of genre and not knowing what exact ground it should be on. Right? I didn't like Carol Kane's character. I didn't either. Like, I hated her voice. <laughs> like, the character itself would have been fine had the voice been different. I see. Which character was hers? She was the fairy one. Oh, the ghost of Christmas present? Yes. Yes. Oh, I loved her character. See, I loved her character. No, no. I'm, I'm talking about a different person. I'm, I'm thinking of the girlfriend. Um, oh, crap. Karen Allen. Bill Murray's yeah, girlfriend. I didn't like her character. Uh, Indiana Jones's baby mom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's true. So, but no, it was. And like I said, I don't necessarily mind that character. As much as I do the voice she was using. Like, I just wanted to punch her. I'm like, shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> All 
All right. So Carol Kane, you didn't like. I, I didn't care like, for Karen. I normally like Carol Kane. Mm. So um, I also didn't care for some of the more, uh, how do I say this? It wasn't outright vulgar, but the uh, more, I don't know how to say it. I don't know either. Some of the humor was a bit over the top for me. I'm it was like, just too crude? Too crude, yeah. I'm like, this is this is a bit too much of this. Right. Like, as funny as I thought the movie was, there were some times I was like, mm, that's not funny. <laughs> I get that. I get that. That's that that would be one like uh um the humor at times was just it was crude just to be crude, which again was kind of the thing at the time. But also Karen Allen, and we'll get into some reasons why I didn't really care for her, but her character I just did not hit home for me at all. I, so. I have issues with her character, but they fall into spoiler territory. Yeah, same here. I think this movie was just mean sometimes, just to be outright mean towards everybody. Actually more like yes. More like one person just being mean just for the sake of being mean and had no other thing or any other agenda just to be mean. I can understand. Am I the only person? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, you go ahead. I, I was intruding okay. on you. I, I, just fe- I just felt like he was just outright angry, mad, and I'm just, I just wanted to know what is the actual true source? True. True. Ugh. Sorry. The true source of you being so vile and angry and hatred towards everybody. And I can't I can't justify just one point in his life to make him that angry towards everybody. We're we're getting the spoilers with that one. We'll we'll hit that one a little bit here in a little bit after spoiler warning. John, what's something you didn't like? Um, I wanted more Bobcat Goldthwaite. <laughs> I did too. I didn't like him. <laughs> I did too. I wanted less. <laughs> same <laughs> i mean if i'm honest like i i i walked into this know what I, knowing what i was getting i've seen this movie several times before and that's the only thing i can think of about this movie that i dislike is how little bobcat goldthwaite there is in this mm-hmm. i i think i think the character that they stuck him in was fantastic i really liked the character I would have liked to seen a lot more expansion on it. In fact, I would like to see a movie just about that character. Yeah, watch Shakes the Clown. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if I can handle <laughs> that character. He likes Dr. Nix and playing games with strangers. Yes, and that I think is might be why I was so uncomfortable with him now that you say that, because I just realized that was the voice you were making. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. I want more Lee Majors. Really? Yeah, with the Je- with the with the Jesse Ventura Predator machine gun he was holding. I I legitimately wanted that movie, the Night the Rain <laughs> dot, dot. I want that movie. Why is that not come out? That is legit. That might. I'm not a Christmas movie person, but that might make my list. If that comes out. <laughs> <clears throat> One thing I will say about this movie be- before we hit spoilers, um, this movie, like if if you were born be- after the eighties or too or too late in the eighties to really remember them, if you want a really solid synopsis of what the eighties were like yes. in the first person, this movie, I, I mean, you had the eighties in it for myself, Sleaze and Tom and Bill Murray. You had the regular homebodies in his, in I mean, just oh, 
so many flashbacks this movie is the 80 is almost like the definitive 80s experience at least it was for me so that and die hard yes which is another christmas movie right it definitely is like like when you think about the 80s like scenes from this should just come to mind because it just feels and looks just like the 80s the power suits yeah the, the corporate sleazery the the mindset of how television was ran and everything the um, hair everything the hair yeah, oh absolutely. the hair my goodness oh yeah so much hair so much hair so well guys let's jump into the spoiler section and let's just let's just unload because i feel like kevin's pent up with something over there i'm scared of what's huh? going to come out of his mouth <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the spoiler section. Why are you scared what comes out of my mouth? Because you, every time there's a movie that most of us like, you're the guy who's just be like, no, this is a bunch of crap. And let me tell you why. <laughs> well, I thought and, we were all in unison in for like the last airbender. And I thought we were all in unison for something else. I can't remember. <laughs> so, I mean, all right, let's, this is the spoiler free. This is the spoiler section. No holds bar. If you're not, if you're planning to watch this movie, you don't want our thoughts on it and spoiler, you need to abandon ship now and come back. But this is it. We're, we're, we're letting loose everything here. We're talking so, about plot points, plot points. So what is stuff that we enjoyed about the film as a whole? Wait, I thought we just talked about what we enjoyed. Yes. Oh, but yeah, like but with specifics. Spoilers. Oh, okay. Well, you guys can go ahead. Bobcat Goldthwait again, <laughs> again. I I want to point out. Let's let's talk about Bobcat. Let's talk about Bobcat. I appreciated so much the degradation of the character throughout the film. Yeah, like it was off-putting. I almost didn't recognize him looking like a normal, decent human being at the front end of the movie. Because like, with his hair was all combed up, the shirt was nice, and he still had that Bobcat like mm, hey type of thing going on. But throughout the film, I appreciated like you you really saw the, the the descent into depression and into madness with everything. We didn't get a lot of backstory into like what was happening. He, like he kind of just spit everything out like at the ending scene. But I appreciated that you did see an evolution of him. So it wasn't just like he's put together and then, you know, Bugs Buddy, hey, I'm here type of thing at the <laughs> end of the movie. I, you I do was, that so well, dude. <laughs> I will say this, that I preferred him after they gave him a shotgun. <laughs> like before that, he was just, he made me uncomfortable. He was weird. I didn't understand it. But then they gave him a shotgun. I'm like, okay, he's in the same, homicidal maniac. I you haven't that. seen Police Academy yet, have you? No. Oh my gosh. I have all of them. I will bring them down when they come next year. <laughs> I have them on my digital copy thing that I sent to you guys before. And you can watch them all. Yes. We may, we have to pull that up later. Yeah. Um. Yeah, sounds like Bobcat should have had had a shotgun with him the entire time with him. Um, I mean, it would have made more sense. Yeah. I mean, so, okay, we, we, we get introduced into this movie, and we see it's the televised movie with the Santa sleigh, or what's it, what was it called? <laughs> the Night the Reindeer The Night died. the Reindeer Died, having Lee Majors having the Vesci Ventura's machine gun, because that was the actual machine gun from Predator. Um so we have Bill Murray, which is introduced as the head of this television network, who has zero idea what he's doing. I mean, I don't know how you could hire him. I don't care how many people you know. You have no reason to be running a TV station. You have no idea what you're doing. It doesn't, that's my part just didn't make any sense. Like, I don't 
care. I've I've been working at corporate, so you have to at least know somebody and actually like them. And he doesn't like anybody. He's even like his CEO, who is play of the television, which is played by Robert Mitchum. He's a true Hollywood legend, and I think he's onto something when he was talking about like the animals watching television, how it would change in twenty years. How animals we were watching television. That was nineteen eighty eight. So nineteen eighty eight, twenty years. That's two thousand eight. It's twenty twenty one. Animals How many watch animals you got watching TV with you. How many fr- oh that's, you're allergic to pets, aren't you? I go to friend's no. house, which they're they have their they have the television on, they're watching an animal plant, and the cats are watching television. I'm like, okay, this guy was actually onto something. That makes sense. <laughs> Just for, for Kevin before his head explodes from the math, I am the same age as the movie. That so doesn't make my head explode. I'm like, okay. Three years ago. <laughs> no, no, no. You looked like when you were trying to count it, you looked like your head was gonna oh, okay. So I'm I'm stopping that. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's funny. Um, I, I, I want to point out what you said there, Kevin. Like his him becoming the CEO, the backstory they gave of his life, it doesn't add up to why he becomes a C, the, no, the head of the, the director of the studio. <laughs> like that was that legitimately a complaint I has. Like, like you, you don't really have a reasoning why this is a thing. These we know he's the youngest one in history, but like nothing panned out as to why in the backstory that they gave you. It does guy. too. Explain, John. Yeah. It, it 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 goes into why he you know he is obsessed with tv because he had a he had a uh ineffectual an ineffectual mom and uh mildly abusive father which i'm sorry his father was played by one of his brothers really yeah that's one of his brothers okay interesting anyway so you know you got that going for him and he basically was stay he basically was incapable of developing relationships with people because he spent all his time in front of the television they go over that in great detail yes you know all his memories were memories of te- from television <laughs> shows and then you know it goes into his initial careers with within television with uh whatever the name of the dog character was that he played skip the dog with the bone the bone. He just wants the bone. Barky. Yeah. Bar- yeah. And and you know he basically he has this this you know romance going on with Karen Allen's character, but he trades that in for personal advancement. It's just a series of events to point out. You know he keeps making the either he got handed a raw deal during his developmental years, and then he started trading in things that matter for personal advancement. Uh, later on in life granted they glaze over it very fast barely it's just it like just there. boom here you go. here's all this information here you go one minute one minute one minute one minute well i mean you're not doing a mini series here kevin you're trying to cram it all into an hour and a half so this is why you have effective writing i will say this if it had been a mini series i think that it would have panned out a little bit more yeah and i get that we're, we're trying to get through a what was like a two and a, a two hour movie how long was this movie it was an hour and 40 minutes yeah, hour 40 yeah, 100 minutes so i mean you're trying to get through that but still i mean i don't know i just feel like there could have been more explanation about some of the stuff at least going into a little bit more with the ghost of christmas past uh what was going on that's why I mean, the middle they, they, they did show him working during the christmas party the ghost of the, christmas that's why you get the ghost funny have more of a time and his whole front half, how much he hates and mean to everybody, have less of that time. That way you can explore. It's like, okay, we get it. He's mean. He's angry. He hates people. Move on. Let's go to the why he's mean. I, I agree. They could have spent more time with the ghosts. I mm-hmm. personally yes. loved all the ghosts. The first one was so funny. I, I'm, agree- I'm with you on that, John. That I enjoyed all the ghosts. I think everything around Bill Murray was great. I just didn't think 
Bill Murray was the person they should have used for this film. But I guess it turned out I'll for I'll disagree. I mean, who else could you who else could you picture in that role? I can't think of anything on top question. of my head, but I'm pretty sure there's loads of actors around that time that could have done something. From the 80s or from any time? From the 80s, during that time period, who could have pulled off that comedic role? Just with that with that dry sarcasm. Let's use one of the guys from the A-team. Let's use Lee Majors. <laughs> have him replaced. <laughs> no. Um, who played Batman and Beetlejuice? Uh, Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton could have done it. Yes, he could have done it. Um, I could see that. So we have like uh, the secretary who's played by Afri Woodard. A lot of people don't. I it, love her. I love her. She is great in this movie, and she plays. In, I, she plays in a lot of movies and television shows. I didn't really realize it. It's like she's one of those faces that you recognize, but you can't pinpoint. She was like, "What? Yeah, she's great. She's great in everything she does." Yeah, Star yes. Trek: First Contract, um, Captain America: Civil Contact. War, Contact, Con- Contract. Ugh, sorry. <laughs> It's okay. It, English isn't his first language. He's Irish. Yeah. Um, she used in the Luke Cage Netflix show, which I still have yes. yet to watch. She was great. In she Luke was fantastic Cage. in that. Um, Twelve Years a Slave, it. which I have watched. That was quite a film too. But so many things. And what was it? How much water you're drinking back there? <laughs> Are you okay? I moved this because it was frustrating me and it fell. See, the movie's already frustrating. We're, not, we're just talking about it. No. <laughs> um, and what is it? Like he, he um, what Bob Dog, um, Goldlate makes Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, that thing, that guy. He just makes one remark. He makes one thing. And he's like, you know, I'm fired. Okay, I guess I could see that because there's some people like that. But really, one thing you suggest and you're going to fire him. Not like let's but find see- more things. That's one of the That's- aspects that I appreciate it because it, it did like that was kind of like when you think about the 80s and you think about the corporate America, kind of like what John was saying, that was the mentality. If you were one of the higher ups and anybody questioned you, period, you were gone. Deuces. Like that is a legitimate mindset that people had about the higher ups at the time. Yeah. There was the whole sheeps and sharks mentality. You know, you, you even see that mentality at Alien. Yeah. Wait, Alien or Aliens or both? This the franchise. Yes, all of it, every bit of it, including Alien Resurrection. I'm not sure. <laughs> I was, okay, anyways, um, especially like movies. with Paul Reiser, especially with like Paul Reiser and Alien. Yeah, everything too. with Paul Reiser, even his television <laughs> shows. Um, we get to see another one of Murray brother. Oh yeah, I didn't. I think I don't think I mentioned that. Air, all of Bill Murray's brothers are in this movie. So really, yeah. So what? So when these that's nepotism in action, my friend. That's what. Welcome to the 80s. <laughs> yeah. I said, that's nepotism in action. Yeah, sort of like the Douglas family. You got Michael Douglas, Kirk Douglas, all the other Douglases. Huh. Or the Baldwins. Yeah. Yes. So many Baldwins. <laughs> One of them is very interesting. Anyhow. Right. Um, after all that, we see... So that joke went off with a bang. <laughs> oh, <laughs> terrible. That's too soon. Yeah. Too soon? Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, brother. Yeah. Um, so we get to introduce the very first ghost of the Chris, uh, not the first, yeah, he was, he was just a ghost. He was just his former boss. Yeah. I like the makeup on that. That was, that was freaking fantastic. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to say the part where he turns around and that mouse pushes the golf ball (laughs) out of his head. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, that scene traumatized me, bro, bro. Can we, let's marinate on this section for just a second. This whole thing. Was this whole scene right here? What did you just say? I said, let's marinate on this. Marinate. Yeah. 
this whole scene right here is burned into my psyche for the rest of my life. I there are moments in my life where I flash back to this scene and a couple other ones that we're going to get to as Kevin kind of walks us through the story. That I'm like, this was traumatizing. Why were we all allowed to watch this back in the eighties as children? What what were our parents on in the eighties? That this is something we watched. Cocaine it tab, was beautifully done. <laughs> Cocaine tab. It was beautifully done. Like like the 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 practical effects of this when his arm breaks off when he's holding yes. over. Horror. Horror. How fine tripped me out, man. Like that. Like there's so much texture in that scene, from the sound effects to the visuals to the to just the sound of the music in the air. So much latex in that scene. <laughs> it all comes together so well to make you go, "What is happening?" and just stick with you for the rest of your life. That's part of the thing about it. Sorry, it's just the thing about it is. I think that's the reason why you know our generation was able to distinguish the difference between fiction and reality a bit better than you know because it's just our parents brought us up with that you know you watch movies that were that were geared for a younger a younger audience from the 80s like movies like monster squad you know or uh the goonies yes you know, and it's just like there's a lot of stuff in these movies that parents nowadays would object to that our parents were just like, eh. here's a movie. It's just a movie. We grew up on the Grimm Brothers stories, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's just the thing. Movies back in movie theaters back in the 50s and 60s when my parents were growing up, you know, it was it was commonplace for kids, you know, 10, 11, 12 to go watch the horror films of the times, you know, mm -hmm. what with the monster movies that were coming out or the hammer films or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, it was, it was no big deal. So it was no big deal for them. They turned out fine. So they would let us watch it. Yeah. I'll be watching I a movie I, and my dad would be like, holding a Guinness. One has like, Hey son, go give me that pack of marbles. Okay, dad, here you go. Like you're watching monster squad. <laughs> I I got sent up. I got sent upstairs a couple times to grab myself, my dad, a beer back in the eighties. And I was, you know, up to eight in the eighties. So it's just like, and I, I was, I was had enough wherewithal to shake it on my way back down the stairs to make sure that he didn't send me back up for a second. Oh, you're the only one. Thank you. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh my gosh. But yeah, like that whole scene right there with the with the with Bob Marley, man. I thought that was great. Or I'm sorry, Bob Marley. Who's Bob Marley? <laughs> Jacob Marley. <laughs> Bob Marley was in this movie. Marley. Bob off. Marley might have been there too. Bob Marley probably was there. He stand was up, Christmas night. <laughs> Get up, stand up. Uh, light your Christmas lights. <laughs> I do appreciate they use different names. I mean, because while they're filming Scrooge, a live action yeah. thing, I appreciate that it wasn't like too spot on the nose that everyone had the same exact names as the movie. Oh, I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I do yeah, appreciate yeah. it because I think a movie made today would like hammer it down. It's like, just remember who these characters are. It's like, I get it. I know. So. And that was something else I appreciated about 80s movies that I, I, I miss in modern cinema is that they didn't feel the need to spoon feed you everything mm -hmm. they're like you know what you're watching we're not going to insult your intelligence mm -hmm. and if you don't get it watch it again figure it out please watch it again yeah so um what was i what was I, I, don't know, I was on something um after we see the murray brothers and they talk about the towel as a gift or as a um what bonus and a vcr mm -hmm. i'm like man if i could have a vcr as a bonus or a blu-ray or 4k player or whatever player now as a 
Yeah, that's that that to me was part of the movie that didn't age well. Because I'm like, well, VCR. it's the latest technology, oh. I guess. Kind of. That was like, like you have to remember when this movie was made. My family, like legit, my family didn't get its first VCR until about 88. Yeah, I can't remember. Why. I think it was like probably like that. 89, 90, something like that. I think our grandfather yeah. gifted us with that. And I think that's why I watch and all this, my in this Indiana Jones and Star Wars from. Yeah. And, the, and I'm not talking about like the, the sleek little front loading vcrs that most people remember i am talking about the big beefy tank that's a top loader you push the button and yeah the, the one you need two people to hold the vcr up. like here you go so you hold this one corner i hold the other corner this lifts 250 pound box boom smack <laughs> all right so for context the year this movie came out vcrs on average were 528 dollars on average and in 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 80s economy less <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make five dollars. Or is that adjusted, or was that adjusted for inflation? No, because it wasn't adjusted for inflation. So the first uh, VCR was introduced in seventy-five by uh, Sony, and it was one thousand four hundred dollars. Um, it dropped down to eventually seven hundred seventy-one dollars. In eighty-two, it dropped to six forty. So I'm, I'm going to do. A, I'm going to get a conversion and see how much this cost. Hmm, Sony made it. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure there's a lot. I just wish we could. It place. wasn't a at the time a good bonus i'm just saying it didn't age well because you go oh vcr like the rest of the movie well, except for the tab you kind of could have just watched this normal and it would have been it you wouldn't have necessarily known okay the time frame i i just did the conversion the inflation conversion okay five hundred dollars in 1988 equates to about one thousand one hundred sixty nine dollars in 2021 yep so that's how big of a deal those VCRs were. That, and so when you see Bill Murray's brother, you know, absolutely like, oh, my goodness, when they got that VCR, you know, that's the reason why. Yeah, like, that's a big deal. Like, that's the quote of him giving like a TV today. Yeah, I get it, that. It's, it, it's like giving the, giving them the ability to stream things today. Like back what, what a lot of people don't understand is back before VCRs became commonplace. The only thing you could watch on TV was whatever was airing on the TV channels. Mm -hmm. You couldn't watch movies unless movies were on TV. And edit, they were edited, so you had to go to the theaters to watch it. And you had to go home at a specific... If you wanted to watch your TV show, you had to go home and watch it when it was on air. Otherwise, you're going to miss it forever. Yeah. Unless you could catch it as a rerun. That's why you have a monthly subscription to TV Guide. <laughs> Which, you bring up a great point, because in the movie... The front end, uh, Frank's uh, Frank is making a big deal, but he wants people scared to miss the thing, to miss whatever show was going on, which is interesting because he, he wants people to watch this live stuff. But at the same time, he's peddling out these VCRs to people as a gift, the people he want, who he likes. And so like that is a mentality of like, you're going to miss this if you don't watch it. So, yeah, um, after all that, you want to talk about the, the ghost of the past, Chris's past? He was fun. <laughs> the lead the lead singer of uh the New York Dolls. He was fun. Yeah, that guy. Well, I wrote that was what was part of him. Um, I have a hard time seeing him in men's clothes to be perfectly honest. Like, David Johansson. Are we talking his yeah. head or are we talking Larry Curley and Moe that were in his ribs? No, no, the, you're thinking of the uh the Ghost of Future. the Future. Oh, never mind. You're talking about the guy that was the cigar the smoking guy. New York taxi the taxi cab guy. I also liked him. <laughs> I liked him. He had 
like great tone. Whatever feelings he matched, like when he's like Niagara Falls, I'm like, dude, that like like Niagara Falls. Yes. He, he is it's, how I picture all New Yorkers. It's Roz from playing games. Yes, it is. It is. Links in the description down below to figure out what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so he introduces so. him to that. Andrews to his childhood and talks about. Um, how he got like the five pound veal, and it's like, see, you're crying because you got me. Just look, you know. <laughs> I thought that was, I actually thought that was funny. No, because he was talking about he saw his mother, and he's like, like Niagara Falls, and he's like, yeah. no, I'm crying at the gift when I see that I had received a gift of grass fed veal that would be worth fifty dollars nowadays. <laughs> and I'm over here going only fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Well, $50 in 1988. Let's figure no, it out. Not, <laughs> As a not first, first time we get to introduce to um, the Indiana Jones baby mama girlfriend, Karen Allen, who to me, she is way too nice for this sleazebag. Yes. Way too annoyed. good for this film, in my opinion. This is why I didn't like the her, her as a character was because like that first interaction with her where she's in the studio with him in that back and forth of like she's happy and she's playful, kind of flirty with him, and then he's like he's a complete butthole and she gets on to him, but then she's like, Okay, it's all good. Like there was like this was a terrible like She still wanted her. to be with them. Can we talk about the fact Oh, that- real quick. $50 in 1988 is equate equal to $112 right now. Yes, so. but a price of veal now is about 100 So this it works. That's the point I was trying to make. <laughs> it works. It's it, it's all on the level. What were you saying, Celeste? Let's talk about how she took her brain from Indiana Jones and left it in... The Ark of the Covenant. Yes. <laughs> because yes. She just goes, oh, it's a man. He wants to love me. Oh, he's a jerk to everybody else, but I'll forgive him. And I'm like, woman, you can do better. She, yeah, he's a jerk to her. It's like, I can make this man better somehow. No, you can't. She's got what? Disney syndrome. <laughs> she's stupider than the disney princesses she really is and it's just it's frustrating because you have in the 80s you have the i am woman hear me roar i don't need man nah. thing going on and then you have this and i'm like this is too far i can fix him way <laughs> this is how we end up in abusive relationships ladies stop it <sighs> that's right you tell her if you're going to save anybody, pick them off. Save yourself. Save yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, and you don't see them. The thing is that you don't really see them fight too much. You see everything that he's going against everyone. So when they do have that one fight, you see that one stupid fight. fight. And then she, and then she's like, you know what? We're through. I'm like, wait a minute. What led up to this? I want to know what led up to with between them. Because I know... It showed him like a complete on um, what douchebag towards everybody around, but not towards her so much until that very end. What happened is that she had been repressing her feelings like any good people pleaser and hadn't said anything for the entirety of their relationship. And then she was like, I'm done. And he's going, what? I want to see more of that. Not after they broke up and hear about it. Celeste. 
Why does it feel like you're speaking from personal experience on this topic? That's not what this podcast is about, John. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's happening anymore. But yeah, I I agree with you 100, (laughs) 1000% Celeste. I was just like, I I want to see... Me, I want to see more of them. Like, what was it led up to the um breakup with her? I want to see that, but also, you know, the entire time as she's putting up with him being that way towards everybody, I'm like, really? A little mental, really Ari? Frustrating, really frustrating to me is that I really loved her character in Indiana Jones, but I like she just was like a a towel would have been a better girlfriend. No. Oh. <laughs> just, just hello i am a towel i'm here legitimately like her character like uh, to like what kevin was saying we we see her like just lovey-dovey with him the uh, the christmas stuff there's no sign of any kind of like like the relationship's not okay other than the fact that he gave her knives that might have been a mistake but they were nice knives. They were nice knives. They but, were Ginsu knives. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, and, and you see this one that thing. Reference, that reference to the Ginsu knives was 80s as heck. Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That was the, that was the, mo- one, that and the mullet were the most 80s things in the film. True. <clears throat> but the, um, all, like, you go from that to, uh, he goes, hey, we, this is a really important business meeting. We need to go and do this. And all of a sudden she's mad. Like we have no frame of reference of how often he's done this to her. Like, like what's going on here? Like why, why is she so angry at him in this moment? We have no frame of reference for that. None whatsoever. Okay. Let's, let's go to the next ghost because you know, let's get this thing there. Um, Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas present to me I is her the, so much to me, to me personally, I don't know about the other three of you, but to me, she's the best thing in this film. Her physically beating and hitting on oh, Bill Murray is so refreshing because now you get to see someone <laughs> with the same equal so attitude right back at him as a count as a, like counteraction, like he's getting everything he deserves to the point where like she like basically um, um rips his lip and they had to cut down the um the filming for a couple of days because Bill Murray's like keep going harder, keep going harder, and Richard Donner was like, "What? Why are you wanting to go are you for real?" Yes, they just shut down the film for like uh, like four or five days because she ripped his lip and they couldn't talk it's because bill murray's like keep going harder be more physical be more physical and she was a little bit scared but she's like okay and richard donner's like i don't even know what's happening anymore so i'll just film because bill murray's like office rocker or something and this was his idea so if she had chosen a different voice i would have liked it better it was that it was just the the voice she was using was it that betty boot voice like maybe but like it's just the it was too high pitched for me. Oh no, you, you needed the contrast because there were moments where she went from being sweet and lovey to. You know. I love that. You, I and, love that. <laughs> you needed yeah, you, you needed that contrast. I just needed her to bring it down a couple octaves. Mm. Agree to disagree on that one. I okay. I think she she her and Bobcat were the perfect characters in this movie. I wow, the perfect characters. Yes. Can you explain why she was a perfect character? Because she did everything she was supposed to. And I thought her performance and what she did and her comedic timing was spot on. Like, and she left me, you know, Elvis had Elvis had a motto for every concert that he did to make sure 
how you could tell that you did a good job. You leave them wanting more. I wanted more of her character. I wanted more of Bobcat Goldthwait's character. I can see that. I, can see that. I think I wanted more of her, but yeah, I enjoyed her. Um, I, I enjoyed the antics between them two. I enjoyed when she smacked his face with the um, toaster. That was. Oh funny. my gosh, the toaster was, was so good. So funny. <laughs> toaster scene. I I almost had to pause the movie. I was laughing so hard at that. <laughs> it was hysterical. So yeah, she had a great role. Even though her doing her, her fake ballerina, I enjoyed that. I mean, <laughs> being being okay. So being as we're talking about the ghost of Pr- Christmas Present now, there was something during that that during that sequence that bothered me this time around because I was old enough to have the wherewithal to think about certain things. Okay. When he when he came back to himself after that encounter with the ghost, mm-hmm. why did he not try to go find the bum in the gutter and help him before he died? I'll, I'm not the only one who thought about that. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that was a thing. Like, why did he not do that? Like, he made his like he spends like an hour on like live on the air talking about all this stuff, but like he seemed to act like that was a really important thing to him. I think the implication was that he was already dead. Yes. It was he, part of the present. Yeah, because of course present, he was dead right then. Not the future. Mm. Yeah. That's why he was yelling at him. He was like, you could have did this and so well, forth. You couldn't say, but. Still what? You, 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 you just leave his body to rot in the gutter? You know, you don't give him the dignity of being found? and Because Bill Murray is a selfish, angry, hating person that only thinks about himself throughout the entire film. I'm trying to think about the original christmas carol and didn't the things that the ghost of christmas present showed him wasn't that stuff that he could still affect or change he tried to he wanted to but he couldn't Uh, not present it was future that he could change yeah but during like the the christmas present he tried to do something right then he tried to but it's like you can't do anything they can't see you this one he's like "Eh, i see it but i I already i guess acknowledge the fact i can't do anything so i'm not even going to try but i think the Mm -hmm. human some form of human compassion will still attempt to try anyhow just to see it. They could help. And that's where I'm at with it. It's just like, I would have, you know, you can't affect it in spirit form, but who's to say you can't in physical form, I guess. I, I don't know. I I don't know. Well, it, it bothered me. I give you that. Yeah. So um, the thing that happens next after that is that he busted the door and he goes on set. Uh, you know, we haven't really talked about his replacement, have we? His replacement okay. boss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like he plays a lot of sleazes in the 80s. Yeah, like Finland's 2? Yeah. Yes. I haven't he seen that He was such a throwaway character in this movie, though. He was more he was more of a MacGuffin than anything else. He, he was simply a mechanic for, for the story. But when he was on screen, I enjoyed him. Like, I, like he, he represented that, that 80s mindset that we, we've been talking about this entire time. That whole, like, hey, we're, I'm here to make a deal. Let's, make, let's get moving. Here, here, here. Like he really did channel that that aspect of the of the eighties, in my opinion. You know, if you want to put it in scientific terms, I can get what I can get what you're talking about. The, if you want to say that this movie is a giant thought experiment, mm-hmm. then I would say that his character was the control in the in this situation because mm-hmm. he he was he is basically Scrooge unaffected. I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah, he's a true schmuck. I'll give you that. But I feel like he plays that character a lot. Yes. Or played that character a lot. Well, I mean, like, when you're good at something. 
Wasn't he the guy who was getting high in Die Hard? That's not him, is it? I can't yeah. know. That, His chin is way too was, long. <laughs> well, not only that, but the guy the, the guy that was getting high in Die Hard was also, was also a Burnett, and he had a beard. Yeah. I didn't remember that. Yeah, he had that watch. He doesn't have a watch in this one. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Booby. He, he was a RoboCop. RoboCop, RoboCop, RoboCop. I, I need to see what this is after this. I need to see what this is, what you're talking we'll about. We'll send you the link for the song. Okay. Um, I need it to show my wife. I, I really do, but... You do. Yeah. So when he sees the, uh, the, the not true Grim Reaper, when he sees him right there in the elevator, and he falls down, he punches her in the face. That was a real scene. They kept that in the movie. She really, he really punched her jaw a little out of place, and the, the whole shocked face look and everything else, and him falling down, that was 100% real, because... Richard Donner did not tell him that he was going to have that happen. He's just like, you're going to open the video, you're going to walk inside. But he, he got that on. <laughs> so he legitimately was scared. He was legitimately yes. scared. He legitimately punched um, her name. Oh, crap. Was it Alfie Woodard? Yes. Or the, the censor lady? Um, his secretary. The secretary. Alfie yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not, not the, not wow. the, not, not the um, censor lady who got like hit, punched, kicked a thousand times. <laughs> can I just say? Can I? Can I just say? I loved that. <laughs> I, you know, there on on so many levels. I am so anti censorship as it is, and that just watching this lady get pummeled, who works for the censor board, just it. Not only did it warm my heart, but then they turned it around to show the hypocrisy of censorship by having every time something happened to her, she would just bust out with some explicit explicit yep. word or another. I loved that. And then at the end, at the end, when they showed the uh, blonde sleaze bag tied up underneath and she holds up the mistletoe and starts <laughs> like forcing herself on him. Right. I'm just like, that's that's the ultimate coup de gras to it. Like any sort of censorship board right there. <laughs> just, mm, love it. Love <laughs> it. Oh, my gosh. Mm, you like a little so rough, I don't you? You weirdo. No, I li I like showing the hypocrisy of people who run censorship boards. Okay, and, and if anybody if anybody out there who is like that with me, go watch the PMRC trials where D Snyder shows up and he he goes he turns their stuff back around on them. So good, it's so tasty. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. I guess I'll, I guess you have to send me that link too. I'm going to be getting so many links after this show. I know it. You will be. Yeah. Um. Then we see the. Oh, uh, was it before at before the real Green Reaper? We also see Catman once. Uh, Bob Cat, whatever his name is, yeah, that, that guy. We see him one more time. I'm the Catman. Yeah. <laughs> With the vengeance to kill the shotgun. And now we're talking about Red Dwarf. And this time he's a shotgun after I guess wasting whatever money he had on whatever alcohol he couldn't drink anyhow. And he comes at him with a shotgun. He probably already had that. He probably was drunk every day on the set, anyways. Who knows? No, not the, not the, no, no, not drunk, but the, uh, the shotgun. He probably already had that. He's like, please let me use something. <laughs> and you know, he uses the um the kill bill, not not the wedding kite, but you know, actually kill Bill Murray. <laughs> um, he he goes on this rant, and then he goes right back into actually now he gets to see the real. Ghosts of Christmas present with the television screen and future. all the the future. That's it, press. Yeah, future. Sorry, thank future. you. Thank you. With all those latex um, Jim Henson that he always had in his closet, and he's like, "Okay, now I can finally use it." Opens up the <laughs> rope and sees them. No, no, they're probably foam. 
Foam and latex. Just, just, yeah, maybe. Probably more foam and latex than the Marvel film. <laughs> Not going to go there. <laughs> but, so. yeah, I, I, I think I mentioned it earlier. I like that design. It was cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that he didn't say cool anything. Guy. He just showed him everything through his, uh, what his future was, always on television. So he gets to see him. Okay. Did anybody else love the fact that the ghost of Christmas Past's face was a TV screen? You mean future? Yeah, whatever. Yes. That's, Kevin's got I, me I doing it. I thought too. that was great. Yeah. I, I thought that was a, a great touch on what was happening. The whole commentary of everything that was happening in this film. I just liked it. I liked him, the Ghost of Christmas Future, a lot better in this movie than I did in the version that was my, f- not my first experience, but one of my first experiences with the Christmas Carol, because the one that I watched had two cold kids under his cloak. Oh yeah, which I thought was really weird. Mm-hmm. I preferred the fun heads in the in the ribs. Which one did you watch first? Which what? I don't. It was a drama class. I don't know. Okay, so I want to say that's. I want to say this about the, the the Grim Reaper and the TV screen. I thought it was a great touch because remember from the Ghost of Christmas Past, he confused his entire life with scenes from different TV shows. Like he's like, oh, there was this and this. And he's like, that was, you know, Little House on the Prairie. And like he, his life was the TV and now his death was within the TV itself also. Which here's the question, because we saw the transition where... Um, the going into the funeral, which was one of the most visually stunning uh, scenes in the whole film. The funeral scene was actually was, was very beautiful, uh, beautifully shot in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, was that actually, was he there or was it all, was he watching it all through the TV? Because it all goes through the TV at first. That's a good question. Especially since he comes back out of the elevator. Nothing's really shown to his true television. You know, he's still in his dreamland because he keeps popping out of something. Mm-hmm. Pop on I, I, I think it's open to interpretation. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's sort of like saying it's sort of like saying where was Aileen, Aileen when Aileen wasn't in Aileen. Huh? Do links in description Spoilers. down below to find out what John is talking about. Branson's gonna listen to this podcast so, and be like, "What?" <laughs> so we finally we don't you know after this the funeral scene and watching him like screaming um what murder and everything else while he's inside the casket being burned and his fa- and his brother and everybody's watching no way do you see him want to change until he sees himself dying and it's like he had to be scared to salvation to, to actually well, want to make thing. a change and a difference he didn't really he still kind of didn't want to change even when he showed the future um um his girlfriend ex-girlfriend his even when she, he kind of Almost did, but not really. And it's like he didn't want to change until he sees himself dying. Then he's like, "Okay, now I want to change. I want to." Well, Christmas- also what we saw in the like in the other renditions of Christmas Carol, even the book. That's kind of what we see. We see Scrooge going through this journey of like, "Oh well, that sucks," and then like being face to face with mortality, realizing, "Wow, no, really, this is this is the end." Because Scrooge still held on, like he cared, but he was so much lost into wanting money that uh, into future because he didn't think he can make it without it. This one, he doesn't show like he can't make it without. He's just, you know, you just see him go up. Uh, it's just, it's, it could have been better well, written. Here, here's the thing, Kevin, a lot of people don't really think about the fact that they're going to die someday until mm. they've been forced to look at it. I know I didn't until I got into my car accident that ripped my head open. Um, 
And, you know, the fact of the matter is sometimes that's what it takes to people for people to change is they have to see the fact that, hey, someday I'm going to have to I'm going to die and I'm going to be held accountable for what I'm doing in this life. Mm -hmm. That's what it took my dad. That's what took my dad to, you know, and I know we're not explicitly a Christian podcast. We are, you know, but I mean, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to talk. I'm going to I'm going to drop some spiritual truth here. You know, that's what it took my dad to become a Christian is he had to get cancer, mm-hmm. you know, and come to terms with his own mortality before he, before he got saved and saw the light and changed how he was living his life. So, I mean, but did your father had any ounce of humanity within him even before, or was he like a pure, like Bill Murray character? Uh, we're talking about a man who, uh, went over across the state because he got let go from his job. He had to go across the straight to find, across the state to find a new job. Uh, my mom followed him a year later because they were waiting for me to get out of high school. She left everything to go be with him, and a month later, he sent her packing back home just because he decided he didn't love her anymore after spending a year on his own. So it's debatable. Okay, I'm just saying, like, I don't think Bill Murray. There, there, there's, there's more to it, and I, but it, a lot of it just comes to the fact that I don't want to. I'm not sure how much of my dad's skeletons I'm going to put out of my closet. So some of this may end up edited out in the, in, in the yeah. actual podcast, That's but, but there, there's more to it than that. But yeah, it, it, my dad wasn't super great pre BC. Yeah. Yeah. Legitimately people that there, there have been, there have been many people who were terrible individuals and they were face to face with mortality and it did spark a change in one direction or another. And, um, and I, at, out of fear of getting into our weak connection, that is a thing that takes place. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, we all have our, our crucial moment where we have to decide what we're going to do. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not so, saying I don't believe people have crucial moments. It's like this one. It's like he had no, almost really nothing to him until that one moment. Like you had no, nothing like to make you question he didn't feel like he was even questioning every time he saw something bad happen to somebody else like all oh, right something bad happened to somebody else it just felt well, too strong of a different future though you saw some changes you know you saw you saw the the grief over um over grace's son uh what was his name um calvin i, I think something like that uh, calvin, yes, yeah. calvin she saw she had great great he had grief over calvin and he's like we can fix this we can fix this and then when he saw um um claire later and she's taken on the mindset of 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 basically getting rid of these urchins you saw the grief in his eyes of going oh my god like her taking that decision taking those my advice this is not good that was this the is, first time i see a good. bit of humanity in um bill murray's character wait wait after the ghost of after the ghost of christmas passed when he had seen the part where uh him and karen had broken up Mm-hmm. Uh, he starts to feel remorse there too. That's the reason why he ended up going to the homeless shelter was to go make up with her. What about the whole rant he said the entire time? It was always about like me, well, me, me. I, 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 I think, I, I think I, you, you're right. You're right. But I think that's part of the a. It's the script. B. It's that's part of the whole transition of individual. We don't expect people to change overnight into being a perfect person. There is a process of getting over mindsets and 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 habits and the way we see things. I mean, his worldview was. I'm top dog. And even though he had a shifting going, because he, when he first goes to uh, Claire, that's him trying to go, I'm going to fix this myself. Like I'm, this, this is clearly, it's just that I need Claire in my life. He doesn't have the full view of, of the depth of what he's done. 
he's yet to see outside of himself to see everybody. And I think that's mm. what the ghost of Christmas present present did. Cause if you notice in the go with the ghost of Christmas present, he's not in any of the visions. Yeah. He's just shown, he is just sh being showed the effect of his life on other people in the long scope of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, yeah, well, I'm just get, I'm just saying as someone watching this movie, I just, it just didn't did nothing for me with much at all. And that's you. fine. That's fine. So um, after this, then he goes, he screams, I want to live. I want to live. I experienced the true meaning of Christmas, which I'm like, did you really? Did you really experience the true meaning of Christmas or did you got scared into salvation? <laughs> right. Um. He, again, going to throw it out there. He did not experience the true meaning of Christmas. He experienced the true meaning of having the Christmas spirit. Yeah. I'll give you that. And what he, um, he kisses Bobcat's gold late <laughs> and the cheek and everything else. And so they give him a shotgun. You get your bonus back and everything else. And goes on this, what psychotic jacked up on something. 10 minute rant, 10 minute rambling on Christmas meeting and everything else. They took that, they did that take three times because he kept going off scripting. And every time they did a take, he went longer and longer and longer. They did so much edit with that whole, because he's like, there's like over an hour's worth of him just okay. going on. I would kind of like to see He had that. a Charlie Sheen moment is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. That or a Tom Cruise moment jumping on a sofa or something. <laughs> I'm like, I kind of want to see the, the cut to that. I hate that there's not a special edition of that. Yeah. See what they cut out. Apparently, there's a lot more to this film. They said there's so much that's cut and so much. It's like they're not even going to try to even attempt to look back or go back. We're done. Um, the one thing that really extremely bothered me towards this end was the mistletoe. When he sees the mistletoe under a woman, he sees a random woman. He's like, you know what? Confe kisses her and then confesses his love for his ex-girlfriend. like, no, still, he's manipulative. You don't kiss another woman and it's going to make out in front of television for millions of audience. Like, you know what? I like someone else far better. Like I, I bet if that ever happened to me, if that ever happened to me, she'd be like, no, you just kissed another woman. Screw you. And that brings back to the fact that she's too nice. That's her brain in the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say, Kevin, you know, what if he kissed a dude? Uh, uh, I don't want to I got, I got too much hair on my face. I don't think another dude wants that. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know anymore. All I know right. is that it was just, I Odd. It was weird oh. that he's so manipulative, so arrogant. I just, he's a, I just threw Kevin off his rant. That was hilarious. <laughs> he's just, he's just a selfish, manipulative, arrogant person. He doesn't care about nobody but his own self. And uh, yeah, what uh, little Calvin? He doesn't say anything for five years after his father's death. Nothing. He doesn't say anything to his mother that lives, that loves him, cares for him, feeds him, does anything. And he's like, he says, he says, God blesses everyone. Everyone's like, oh my god, emotional moment. Bull crap. Emotional moment. My butt. You can't oh, say anything to your mom for five years. You can't even like, say a thank you or hi. You can't even just... You, you, no, you don't even say one word. You go and make a whole sentence. The, the, the problem I was having with it is that I, I'm too medical. Yeah. So I understand that even if he did say that, that doesn't mean all his problems are fixed. Exactly. With selective mutism, talk. They just don't talk when they're not comfortable, when they don't feel safe. Exactly. So in that moment, he felt safe. And that is very sweet, but it doesn't, it's it's not the, he's not turning into a chatterbox tomorrow. Yes. Without some, some psychiatric help. 
Yeah, I feel safe about the you know the boss of my mother who only gives us towels and doesn't give us enough money for a Christmas tree that they light me up for a Christmas tree, or anything else. But you know, this is just one that moment. <laughs> that was that was sad. Like, leave that baby alone. <laughs> well, I, I I think I Kevin literally went plot point by plot point through this entire. Nope, movie, no, no, so. almost, almost one. The very last line of this movie. The very last line of this movie. His brother says, "My brother, the King of Christmas." Give me a freaking break. The king of Christmas. Seriously, the king of Christmas. Not the Salvation Army. Not the pastors, preachers, or even his girlfriend who has no brains. Keep coming back to him. She's not the queen of Christmas. He is the king of Christmas who hates every soul around him. Yeah. But it was changed. I think I think that was meant as, sarcasm? as sarcasm. No, they were all clapping and everything else because he what gave him that answer for Gilligan's Island that cares. <laughs> That was legitimately like, oh, how the crap did he know? You can give people answers, but you can't change them. You can't bring that one person down huh? to life in the zero. Nothing. But they don't know about that. No one was him there except for him and the dead guy. From <laughs> yeah. their perspective, so are, are, are the ghosts the eighties? He has ESP. <laughs> yeah, he, they, he he needed his he needed his Ghostbusters Ghost um, Busters friends help him out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Well, you may have any final thoughts on the film. I want to hear John's thoughts. He's, he's like, he's like staring at me. I'm not staring at you. You're staring at my beard. Okay. Sorry. I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> what? I suddenly want you guys to like do a glitter beard off. Yes. Ooh, you sure do got a pretty beard. <laughs> no, John. No, John. No, John. <laughs> Put Sayos back in the closet. Links down below for find out what Celeste and John are talking about. <laughs> Every time Celeste is on here, there's going to be some playing games references because that's our other point of connection. So that's that's how we're friends. <laughs> oh and, and that and the fact that we haven't had a, a script from Supersonic Pod Comics oh. in two years. So true story. So sad. Oh my gosh. So any any other thoughts on the film? What we enjoyed, didn't enjoy, things that just stuck out to us, like Jacob Marley's arm going out of that glass window. Bill Murray yelling more and more every season. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to give our final ratings, ladies and gentlemen? I'd say yes. Before we give the final ratings, Dallas, why don't you, just just so our angry Irishman can understand the basis by which he's grading this movie, give the definitions of the shelving system. Yes. <laughs> In which which what each shelf means. Okay, so just for those who are listening at home, as we said, these were all found in a dumpster out there on the planet Geekery, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out where Kevin's going to place them. Uh, do we go on the bottom shelf where like, oh yeah, this is a terrible film, and just needs to stay there? Yeah, you know, it's fine. Middle shelf, we're like, okay, maybe pull it out once a year. They're okay. Top shelf, hey, this is actually a really good movie, and it has been crapped on way too much. I don't care what the Metacritic score is. And then we have a special uh, uh, level called the Dumpster Fire, where Kevin takes it outside to his backyard and lights it on fire and then jettisons it into space. So this is our rating system. Let's start with our Irish friend, Kevin Wherever the rainbow does this belong. Why would you put me first and not last? Okay, never mind. I understand. Okay. Uh, okay. 
given everything I put into this film, from, not everything I put into the film, but everything I've, as a critic and viewer, the, the makeup job is, the makeup, maybe it's Maybelline. The makeup <laughs> job and costume is fantastic. The music, I thought, again, it just was off-putting because it didn't really match the tone. I liked the music. Didn't I didn't say I didn't like I just it didn't match the tone of this movie all the way. Everyone else around Bill Murray, almost everyone else around Bill Murray is actually really good, including me liking the ghost. But the story with him and his redemption and everything else, it I'm saying I've it's not it's not trash worthy. I know that it's not <laughs> that, and it's definitely not top, but bottom bottom shelf. Oh. It's not something I want to actually bring out every year or every month or anything else. It's just something I, I've watched and I'm good. I'm okay. And I'll just give it to somebody else who probably will have more enjoyment out of, not the crew, because apparently they didn't want to do anything else with the film either or talk about it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, that just shows. Um, I think the only reason why people like it because it has that nostalgia feel and it has Bill Murray because people in the eyes of Bill Murray can't do no wrong, which there's people like who actually believe that. I just still think bottom shelf. All right. All right. Bottom shelf for, uh, for Kevin. Uh, Celeste, how about you, babe? So I, my dad may have words with me about my rating. <laughs> he, he may be upset with me, but I really enjoyed the movie. Like, I'm not a huge Bill Murray fan. Like, I'm not like, it's Bill Murray. I have to go see it. But I enjoyed the movie. And so I'm going to put it on the middle shelf because it's not it's not top shelf. But it's not the worst Christmas movie I've ever seen. <laughs> all right. Jingle all the way. I like that one. So do I. <laughs> John, what's your, where are you placing this one? Um, based off of our rating system mm -hmm. i can appreciate why people might take issues with this movie kevin um i can appreciate and i can i can see the points that were made i'm i'm you know i'm a, a phrase i've had since high school is i'm never so right that i can't be wrong um but given that this movie is a comedy and it's the intention that this movie was made with was not for imitating real life but rather to convey a simple message about being in the Christmas spirit and to make people laugh. And the fact that it had accomplished both with me and I found it to be enjoyable. And I, I think that it compensated for where it lacked by being entertaining for me, uh, based upon that. And the fact that I can see, you know, I can see the flaws with this movie. I'm going to put it on the middle shelf. It's something that should be brought out every once in a while, not necessarily consistently, but, if I find the right person who I think has the right mentality for the dark humor that's in it, I'd show it to him. I'd be like, Hey, I think you're going to enjoy this. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we got two middle shelves, a bottom shelf. So, uh, I've been thinking about this and, um, you know, Celeste and I, we have a, um, we have a tradition that we just started recently where every year we watch a adaptation of the Christmas Carol for Christmas. And, I think this is one that I could go, let's pull this out. Not every year. Not every year. Not a, uh, we're going to watch this all the time. Um, I don't think Bill Murray can do, I, how does it, Bill Murray's not the end all. Like, Lost in Translation was a terrible film, and he didn't help it. Um, 
Um, <laughs> Kevin just lost his mind on me. <laughs> no, that's the translation was bad. <laughs> lost in translation is one of my favorite films. And I love that movie. Uh-oh. Next time on the bottom shelf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> so, well, some people over here like art. <laughs> <laughs> and some people like Lost in Transition. Uh, translation. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> some people liked uh, Plan 9. Some people like Plan Don't 9. Don't start. Plan 9 is phenomenal. I love it. <laughs> so for me... I'm putting this on the bottom shelf. I mean, on the middle shelf. Yes! Bottom shelf! Be- you said it! <laughs> it's done! <laughs> Split decision! Middle shelf. It's on the middle shelf. I knew that's what to be. I knew that was so, we, we have a contested middle shelf. That's what we'll call that. A contested middle shelf. So, we want to hear from you guys, though. Uh, your thoughts on it. Did you guys like it? Do you not like it? What shelf does it belong to? So, any final words before we move on to our weak connection? Once again, Bill Murray can't do no wrong like Tim Burton. Tim Burton can't do no wrong. Everybody loves him know. just to be them. Nobody, nobody said Bill Murray can't do no wrong. No, I'm just I saying for enjoy- I, I said for us. I mean, like in a general audience. Again, lost in translation. Uh, you know, and I didn't like Groundhog's Day. So somebody played the music. <laughs> you didn't like Groundhog Day. <laughs> All you didn't right, like Groundhog Day. To us a segment. <laughs> From our friend Ben Avery. <laughs> Do you need a moment, Dallas? I don't. Know. Oh my gosh! I'm just, I'm just sitting here watching Kevin's head. Just tell just me every fixed. good movie that's out there, and just tell me you hate them, okay? This is. Please tell me you hate Lawrence of Arabia. Hate. Tell me you hate, you know, Ten Commandments. I'm, I'm waiting to hear that too. Oh. That was my first DVD. Ten Commandments. So, yeah. yeah, that was the first DVD I bought. Oh, nice. nice. This is a weak connection. So our weak connection today is uh, it's a story of redemption. You know, that's what I like about the Christmas Carol song, or not song, Christmas Carol story as a whole, period, is you have this redemption arc of an individual who is uh, face-to-face with mortality and his life decisions, and he has to make a change. And uh, it, it makes me appreciate the... I appreciate because it is a thing. Um, you, There are people in your life who have done terrible and horrible things, but there is hope for them. And it doesn't matter. I know people right now, um, and maybe you guys know them too, that they have said they have done too much to be forgiven. They have done too much to have grace. And that's just not the case. There is grace for us all. No matter what we've done, no matter how far we've gone, there's grace for us to repent until we breathe our last breath. There is a moment for us to have opportunity to, to grow and to become what God's called us to be. And so that's my encouragement to you guys. Maybe you're listening to us again. We're not, we've gotten spiritual a couple of times on this podcast today, but um, we are Christians, all, all four of us. Uh, and we believe God has a plan and purpose for your life. And, and you've not done too much to have salvation. And uh, I know it's a scary thought for some people because that maybe means that there's some people in your life that you've given up on. God hasn't, and he hasn't given up on you either. So that is our weak connection for the day from me. Um, Anybody else got anything? Only thing I'm going to say is that, um, yes, 100% agree with you. You're never too far past from outside the love of God and his grace and mercy. Because case in point, right. the thief on the cross. Word. The very moment. Example. The very moment of his death. He recognized Christ Jesus as his savior and that he could mm-hmm. 
redeem all because all redemption is paid on the cross through his blood through that um yeah so you're never too far and as i've said for to others and people personally that anytime you feel you're not valued or you have no worth or anything else that's just the whispers of satan telling you trying mm. to convince you something otherwise because god doesn't make mistakes word you're perfect in his eyes Although this movie is not perfect in any way, so as for myself, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, God could even save a Scrooge. He could save everyone, <laughs> but I just didn't think he could save Bill Murray from this. <laughs> okay, kidding, he can. <laughs> um, the question: The only thing Kevin's questioning is if God can save us for thinking Lost in Translation is not a good movie. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this movie did win one Academy Award, so I guess that you know that's some sort of hope, which I don't even care for Academy Awards, anyways. <laughs> that is another story for another day. <laughs> All right, well, let's shelve this movie and let's uh let's land this uh this this floating fortress in the sky. Uh, John, where can people find you? Uh, I, I believe the actual question in the order is where are we flying to next? Oh, that's a good question too. We should probably do that. Where are we flying to next? Uh, that would be Kroll. I'm excited. Wait, Kroll or Kroll? Kroll? Kroll. Carl. Kroll. Carl. Carl. <laughs> that kills people. <laughs> oh, oh, why? Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Sometimes you just have a craving that only, only hands, hands can satisfy. Can satisfy. <laughs> Thank God the children weren't around. Um, <laughs> yeah, must have been that, that lovely so, couple from Two B. <laughs> <laughs> so next time we're doing 1983's Crawl. Oh, we're going back in time. <clears throat> Again, we're stuck in the 80s for a while. Yeah. All right. So Crawl, I'm excited about this. You guys, you guys have no idea how excited I am about this doing Crawl. So um, buckle. Let, up. let me let me ask you this, Dallas, because. There was a period in time where I was the same way about I was the same way about it. I when Strangers and Aliens did a review on Kroll and then they came back from it and I'm like, they are so wrong. So I went and watched it. Uh how long has it been since you've seen it? Probably about it was two thousand and three to two thousand four. Okay. And it is okay. currently twenty twenty one. So you do the math. Okay. I'm just saying, remember this conversation. Oh, I know it's gloriously terrible. Now, I haven't seen this film since we first mentioned it, and I first seen To the Dumpster, and it was on sale, so I bought it. And I've been holding off because I've been wanting to see it. And I was like, I'm holding off. I'm holding off. And then I seen the Christmas movie up top, and I was like, okay, I guess we'll review Screws, but I really like to review Crow, but, you know, wanted to get in that merry, merry, merry holiday spirit with this movie. So, yeah. I will <laughs> say that uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it later. We'll get into it next week. You can tell we're excited about doing this movie, though. Uh, <laughs> and Kevin, something for you to be excited about. One of your... Royal... Go ahead. I can finish your sentence for you. I know. <laughs> can, can we finish this the sentence for the listening audience? Uh, one of his uh, countrymen makes this one of his first appearance in this movie as well. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, I always forget his last name. Liam... Neeson? Uh, no wait yeah liam neeson 
<laughs> I'm like I'm looking at Liam Neeson's it's name. It's just right every now. time I, I I am afraid of saying his name because sometimes it comes out as Leslie Nielsen, and that's wrong. They're that's very different. Different white guy. <laughs> very different. Oh my gosh! This was Liam Neeson's first movie. No, and one of one of them. He even still has his Irish accent. <laughs> he always has. It just become more a bit Americanized, sort of like me. But um, no, his first film was The Pilgrim's Progress. I just really like how you yes. said sort of like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're surrounded yeah. by so many people, you try to sound somewhat alike. That way, people will stop. His messing first, with you. his first, his first film was Pilgrim's Progress, and then he said to Abaddon in that movie. I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we need to we need to end this podcast, guys. All right, John, where can people find you? Uh, where can't they find me? Uh, I'm on Facebook, but you won't be able to get to my personal site unless you're somebody I already know because paranoid settings. Uh, but you can find uh, me through the bottom shelf. You can find me through. Uh, the Aliens and Predators, devotions, the Geek Devotions <laughs> Facebook group, uh, the Geek Devotions uh, uh, Discord, Discord group. Thank you. Uh, I'm also part of the Supersonic Pod Comics group, as both myself and Celeste are voice actors for Supersonic Pod Comics. Woo-hoo! You can find me on playing games with strangers. You can find me, my band, Mezzanine, on the Face Space and in Reverb Nation. I think I've covered most of it. I'm afraid of what finger you're going to hold up. You have five more podcasts to name. Come on, man. You can do it. (laughs) Hey, Dallas, you want to start five more podcasts? No. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even let him answer. (laughs) He starts five more podcasts. I get a spinning wheel. (laughs) (laughs) That that was my way of actually prodding Celeste because I knew how that conversation would go. Oh my gosh. Celeste, where can people find you? You can find me over at Geek Devotions or at my Etsy shop for uh called Celestial Creations. You can also find me on playing games with strangers. So those are all my current projects. Sweet. Kevin, where can people find you? Other than this podcast that you're listening to right now and enjoying listening to my review. Um you can also find me in Florida if you decide to come and get avoid the snow. <laughs> oh no. We've got lots of rain, loads of rain. Right. And we have <laughs> loads of hipsters and all kinds of people around here. Um, right. If you don't want to travel and see me in person, I understand. You can also find me on the internet, which I'll be on. I am on Geek Devotions as well, do a monthly writing. You could find me on my YouTube channel and Facebook as the Dapper Man, where I dress nicer and more clean. Usually have a haircut too. Which I need to get. <laughs> and yeah, you could find me there if you wish. Yeah. There you go. Just throwing stuff here. Is that a present for me? Did you did you give me a present for Christmas? Who'd you give me for Christmas? <laughs> I got you a pin and some of, towels. <laughs> got you a VCR. All right. Hey, these things are becoming popular around where I'm at. They're renting VCRs they out. There is there's a whole movement of VC of people getting back into VHSs. Ugh. Yeah, it's like people getting into vinyl. People are getting into cassettes now, bro. Yeah. Cassette. Oh wow. Josper K Cassette actually, I think he messaged me. Is like, hey, you got some VHSs? And I was like, yeah. How much you want them for? <laughs> Dude. Oh man. So uh, if you guys want to check me out, just look for me at Geek Devotions. We're on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, 
and Facebook. Just look for Geek Devotions. Uh, and our website, geekdevotions.com, where you can find um, our other podcasts, such as Print the Rhythm Machine that John does. Bees, Views, oh, yeah, I do that too. Uh, the articles that Kevin writes for us and all kinds of great stuff. So all that being said, until next time. Love and peace. Have a lovely Merry Christmas. <laughs> we need to come up with a tagline. Send us some suggestions. You guys go ahead and just email us some suggestions or, or send us some messages. Oh, wait. Check out the our, our stuff that for uh, the bottom shelf. The bottom shelf uh, website, thebottomshelf.blueberry.net or check out our Facebook and uh, Instagram, The Bottom Shelf Podcast. And like, uh, rate, and subscribe. That helps yeah. us get in front of other people. Exactly, because Google doesn't like us. So... <laughs> Uh, help help us get out, guys. Help Who us. does Google like? Um, Other than Mark Zuckerberg not, or whoever that guy is. Not the bottom shelf. Not the bottom shelf. That's all we know. So until next time, guys, stay devoted. Peace and love. Bye. We wish you a Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>